Welcome to The Receptive Life. We're learning how to fight against the unholy trinity, to defend ourselves with the work and the promises uh, of the person of Jesus, but also learning how to receive all of the gifts that only can come from the triune God. And so we're in this first station of our daily practice where we mark ourselves with the sign of the cross and we say the Trinitarian invocation. Uh, in, the, in the morning we rise or in the evening uh, we go to bed, we say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, when we say those words, there's a lot, um, a lot underneath that. So we teach our children how to do it in a clear and simple way, but all throughout our life, we are learning what does that mean to be marked with the cross and to have God's name upon us? Well, when we're marked with the cross and God's name, we're saying to the devil, proclaiming to the devil, and also reminding ourselves that, um, that we belong to Jesus Christ, that we have been purchased, that we have been won by Christ. And this is the work of the triune God. The Father gives us all of his gifts of creation, the Son, all of his work, and the Holy Spirit, all of his uh, gifts, specifically the gift of faith. So we receive then. We receive uh, the work of Jesus. Marking ourselves with the cross always reminds us that it's not our work. It's not about performance, but rather it's about receiving the finished work of Jesus. Also, the sign of the cross and God's name is declaring that we renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways. We're against the ways of the unholy trinity and for the ways of the triune God. Christ lives in in us. We've been crucified with him. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. So it's a spirituality of Jesus, spirituality of the cross. It's also reminding of our, uh, reminding us of our baptism, how we're united with Jesus in his death, but also we are joined with him in his life as well. So we have this cross, right? Uh, in a previous video, we talked about the cross as sacrifice for sin. But also, the cross is uh, a sign of victory. Now, that seems to be strange because it's such a um, uh, a bloody symbol, isn't it? I mean, the crucifixion is not like some banner that you you raise. Uh, earthly kings would always see it as a sign of defeat. But the cross is a sign of victory over the unholy trinity, uh, over sin, death, and the devil. And uh, this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. The promise in, promise in Genesis chapter 3 after the fall into sin is that one day God himself will come into this world and will defeat the power of sin and death and devil. And in Genesis chapter 3, um, God says to Adam and to Eve and to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The promise is that one day God himself will come into the flesh. The seed of the woman will come into this world, be the son of God and the son of man. And this uh, seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, crush the authority of the devil. Now in the process, it says, you will strike his heel, the serpent will strike his heel, means that he will mortally wound the seed of the woman. And so there will be a bloody death for uh, the Son of God. But in that death and in his resurrection, 
the head of the serpent will be crushed. Now, um, my um, my seminary, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, uh, has as their logo this picture of a cross. You see the three circles uh, representing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But this cross is crushing the head of the serpent, the serpent which wants to go after God's creation in the world. The proclamation of the gospel comes and takes away the authority, the power, crushes the head of the enemies, sin, death, and the devil. So Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, and after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, now speaking of Christ, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Paul is quoting Psalm 8, that Messiah, when he comes, will defeat the serpent. He will crush the head of the serpent. He will put all uh, all of the enemies, everything under his rule and his reign. Uh, Paul also says in his letter to, to Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, to the church at Colossae, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. In other words, all of our sins that are exposed by God's beautiful, pure, perfect law, right? That exposes our ugliness, our rebellion, uh, our filthy rags, um, these, uh, these works that we try to offer up, uh, offer up to God, those are all taken to the cross, nailed with, with uh, Jesus on the cross. And now what happens, verse 15, uh, in that having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so this cross then is a sign of victory for the Christian, right? Where has sin been dealt with? Where has death been defeated? Where has the devil's power been crushed? Well, all in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So again, the meaning to the second article of the Apostles' Creed. What does this mean? Again, we're trying to always remind ourselves, grow in this understanding, and so repetition and repetition and repetition. The second article from Luther's Small Catechism says that Jesus is my Lord. Right, Begotten of the Father from eternity, but also born of the Virgin Mary is my Lord. What has he done? Redeemed me. Who am I? Lost and condemned creature. What has Christ done? Purchased one, delivered me from all sins, from death and the devil. How? Not with gold or silver, but with his precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death. For what purpose? In order that I might be his own live under him in his kingdom, serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, even as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. And then we say, this is most certainly true. So we make use of Jesus, right? Make use of Jesus as sacrifice for sin. First John chapter 2, he is the one who is our defender, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The cross as victory. But also we're going to learn that we can use the cross to help us understand what this, um, 
way of life, this following of Jesus, a spirituality of the cross, what does that look like? So again, station one, simply, uh, you take uh, you know, your fingers and you can mark yourself with the sign of the cross. You can say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then you can meditate and you can think throughout the day these little phrases, Christ is for me, Christ is with me, Christ is in me, he lives in me, and he works through me. And you can again boldly remind yourself that this is true by saying, Amen, yes, yes, it is so.